0: Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. So this morning we are in our Christmas series, and our Christmas series is a little different this year. Our Christmas series is not necessarily about Christmas. Oh, oh, Skanda. As we build up to the first the celebration of the first coming of Jesus, we are looking toward the second coming of Jesus. So this is a series on the end times at Christmas because Jesus came once And he's going to be coming again, and so we're looking at that. The point of Jesus coming the first time was not so that we could have a family day or so that we could exchange gifts. It was, in fact, for him to live, to die, to be resurrected, to ascend, and to come back in victory. And so that is why we are looking at the end times over this period. It is also a traditional subject for the church to preach on. So we're clicking into our roots as well as, as Christians. It's good. It's good that we're not, we're not these reeds. We're not these weeds that have just popped up. We have deep roots. We have thousands of years of tradition and history, and some of it is good. Some of it is not good, <laughs> but some of it is good. And so this is something that is good, amen. Amen. All right. I did not grow up as a Christian. And hopefully I'm still a uh, ungrown up. I have a bit of youthfulness in my Christianity as well. But I did not, I was not brought up in a Christian home. My parents are actually still not believers. And so when I grew up, when I was brought up, uh, Sunday school was uh, Sunday school. That's, you know, I... My gray is showing. Kids' church was not a, a, a thing. For, for us, it was not a priority. Church was not a priority. I did sometimes stay over at friends' houses and would be dragged along to, to kids' church on the Sunday, to church on the Sunday. And uh, so my, my knowledge of, of those things is not great. But I do remember a couple of things, a couple of deposits that were put in. One of them is the song... Give me oil in my lamp. (laughs) Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp. I pray. I pray. 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 Amen. (laughs) And that is all to say that this morning we are looking at the story found in Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13, the story of the virgins and the lamp and the oil. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. The end times are all about signs, looking at the, th- the signs to come. We don't know the time, but we, there are signs of the coming end, signs towards the end. I know that it's raining at the moment, it's a little chilly, there's a bit of a nip in the air, there is, it's a, getting, you know, it's a little humid, I know that. But a couple of days ago, weren't we longing? for the rain, when we're sweltering and sweating and and, and I don't know about you, but for me, I look at signs for rain because it's very, very evident that rain will be coming right? So I, I, I mean, it's hot. And so you look at the clouds, the clouds start building. You're like, oh, no, that's not kind of the cloud that, that it needs. Oh, that's a rain cloud. That's, see how it's, ooh, it's getting bigger. Yolanda, come look at this cloud. It's so big. I'm sure she, that happened yesterday. <laughs> I'm sure she, <laughs> she's always like, oh, again. <laughs> you watch for the, for the clouds that are building, the, the birds that start that, that, that start, Flying around, what do birds do? They fly, yes, okay. It's because the pressure changes and the bugs start coming up and then their, their food is around. The wind that, that comes up and then there's that temperature drop. And then you know, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain. That longing, like us longing for rain, that longing and looking for signs, that's what the end times is. We look at the signs. Sometimes, and for us, we know that it's supposed to rain now. Does it rain every time the clouds build? No. When does it rain? When does it happen? In the Lord's timing, right? So, but that longing, that longing for, for, for something was where the Israelites were at at the time of Jesus. Jesus. They, in fact, were longing for the Messiah. They were looking forward to it. They were, they were under oppression. They had had a long time. They were like, Lord, you are supposed to be with us. You're supposed to be giving us these things. And so the end times for them was actually a, a, a hot topic. It was a popular thing, so popular. In fact, the book of Daniel was the popular reading at the time. And that is why Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man, because that title comes from the book of Daniel. In the chapter before Matthew 25 is, what's Matthew 24? Okay, stay with me. <laughs> Jesus is telling the future. That's actually the, the, new, the new, living translation, new Living Translation heading. It says, Jesus tells the future. And it's what the end will be like and the signs to look out for. He lays out the parameters, and then in Matthew 25, he then tells these parables. It goes from the parameters to the parables of what the time would be like. And there are three parables in Matthew 25. The first one that we read is the ten virgins or bridesmaids, depending on the version that you read, and it's about living and living prepared. The second one is the servants and the talents, and it's about working with what we have been given. And the third one is the sheeps and the goats, and that is about serving and loving every person. So with all of the doom and gloom, the, the change of weather, the, the, the floods, the earthquakes, the, the wars and rumors of wars, all of that in Matthew 24, Jesus then opens Matthew 25 with the story of joy, of excitement, a joyous wedding celebration. Unlike the fear-mongering posts from Auntie Tabitha about the Antichrist and the New World Order, Jesus had a different picture of the end, and it's seen in his first picture of a wedding, a wedding to end all weddings, complete with a banquet and all the food he said, amen. Jesus is the groom. And we are to attend and celebrate with Him and the bride, His church. Revelation 19, verse 6 to 9, says this. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. That's a a great image, don't you think? The righteous acts of God's holy people are the wedding dress of the bride. Every time you do righteous acts, guess what? You're adding a thread. You're adding a pearl. You're adding something beautiful for the bride to wear on her wedding day. (sighs) Come on, guys. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Now apparently, on a wedding, couple's wedding day, the groom went to the bride's house for the ceremony. And then the, the entire party would then move to the groom's house for the feast. And this celebration could sometimes be a week, a week-long celebration. The virgins, or the bridesmaids, were to wait for the groom to attend to him. And meet meet him with lamps, possibly to help him light the way. To light the way. It was their responsibility to look after their own lamps, and hence they had to take some extra oil just in case he was delayed. It wasn't uh, wasn't an hour an hour long service. Our weddings can sometimes be very. Uh, if you've ever been involved in a wedding, there is a run sheet, and you better stick to it because there is a kitchen of people waiting to serve you. No, no, it's all, you all wait, you wait on the, on the groom, you wait on the bride, you wait on, on that timing for the festivities to begin. The only distinction between the wise and the foolish virgins was their preparedness. Both groups were in the right place doing what looked like the right thing, and yet one was considered foolish and the other wise. Jesus uses this comparison, actually in the next parables as well, but the wise man and the foolish man. You remember that story? Everyone builds. The moral is everyone builds. Are you going to build wise or foolish? And the invitation is then to to want to build wise or to want to be part of the wise. In Proverbs, we also have this, this comparison. And so, Jesus is, what is Jesus doing in this story, in this parable? He is inviting us to want to be wise, to want to be like the wise virgins, like the wise bridesmaids, and not be like the foolish. The lamps. The lamps represent our lives and our relationship with Jesus the thing we are responsible for. Everyone had to look after their own lamp. We have to look after our own lives. We have to make sure that there is enough oil as we wait for the bridegroom to come. Proverbs 31 talks about the wise woman. All the ladies love that. I'm like, I give it to you, Lundy, often to read, this is what you need to be like as a wife. That is absolutely wrong. Anyway, don't do that. Be wise, don't be foolish, like me with that. But Proverbs 31 verse 18 says of the wise woman that her lamp does not go out. She is wise. Philippians 2 verse 12 says that we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. it is very possible to see the oil as the Holy Spirit. The Bible uses oil as a metaphor for him being poured out, ritual anointings and cleansings. We could also point to the story of Elijah and the widow where there was just this miracle that happened where as she kept pouring out the oil, it just filled the containers, whatever, all the containers that were there. The lamp is our lives, the oil is the Holy Spirit, and we need to keep topped up and filled up with the Spirit, the oil being the fuel that helps our lights shine. It's very possible to read that, and it is a good fit. It can be a good fit here, but it's actually not what this is about. (laughs) It's not. The story is about the end times. It's very clear in its context. And it's about Jesus returning. And it is about a celebration and a joyous banquet. It is about being prepared well for the end. Having your things in order with the Father. About living in right relationship with God the Father and the consequences of not. The foolish Bridesmaids, I think that they were comfortable. They lived for the now. They just brought enough. Maybe they even procrastinated on what was important. They were satisfied with the life that they could make for themselves, not thinking of the future. Maybe they didn't take things seriously enough. They did not take the time or make the effort to make a godly investment and it cost them in the end. Not sure how you're navigating this season. For me, honestly, I found it quite difficult to keep my mind off being a consumer. Black Friday, Christmas gifts, holiday vibes. Oh, I just, man, I just, I'm living the dream in my head. (laughs) It's, it's, It's not good. It's important that we make good godly investments in every season. Not be distracted, with the things that don't matter, the things that are not important. We should watch that we don't put our comfort above everything else. And especially our relationship with Jesus. The foolish, the foolish virgins, they didn't bring the extra. What does extra mean? Well, extra means extra. It means extra effort, extra thoughts, extra... They, they just couldn't be bothered. They were living comfortably. One of the morals of the story is that the minimum is actually never enough. The minimum is never enough. The word for trimming is when they, they woke up and they, they trimmed their wicks. The word for trimming is cosmeo. Cosmeo. It's in verse 7. It's where we get the word cosmetic from. It means to beautify, to furnish, to arrange, to put in order. It's only when the groom is announced that they get their lives in order. And it's only when the foolish bridesmaids realize that that's only that's that's when they realize that they're in trouble before everything was fine until the announcement of the groom came so the question is are you ready to meet jesus are things in order has your life been arranged correctly are your wicks trimmed is there oil in your lamp are you ready to meet Jesus see no one knows the time they didn't in the story only the father knows the time if anyone in terms of end times if anyone says that they know the time they do not they are lying They should seek help. (laughs) Jesus is very clear. It is sudden and unexpected, and it's always portrayed as a shock. Always. In the middle of the night, the cry came out. (gasps) In load shedding, our alarm goes off when the power comes on. It's horrible. It is the middle of the night. It is a shock. You fall asleep, you don't know when it's happening, and all of a sudden, <gasps> it is madness. Don't be caught unawares. Jesus points to the fact that the time is not known. He says at the last, in the last verse, verse 13, it says, he says, so you must keep watch because no one knows the time. And the question is, can our faith withstand delay? Is our faith one that it can withstand delay? Delay for promises, or maybe even delay for what we think we deserve. Maybe delay through trials, through hardships. Can our faith stand? withstand delay? When the foolish bridesmaids come back from sourcing more oil, they find that they have been locked out of the feast. See, at the end, it is our relationship with Jesus that matters. Are we ready and prepared for when the groom arrives? It's a living, growing, God-honoring relationship with Jesus that counts. When Jesus denies them entry, when the groom denies them entry, they knock, let us in, let us in. Why are they denied? It's because of relationship. The groom says, I don't know you. I don't know. The the virgins, there was they came the person the people who were ready, I took, and everybody else I don't know. So many people want the banquet without the preparation. So many people want the banquet without the preparation. Unless we choose Jesus, we will be locked out at the end. So, what does choosing Jesus mean? What does that relationship mean? Well, it's very simply, it's salvation declaring that Jesus is Lord and living like it. You know that Jesus is Lord even when you don't declare it? Because he's Lord. And if he's Lord, then all you're doing is declaring that Jesus is Lord. You don't make him Lord. You submit yourself to his Lordship that is already. Declaring Jesus is Lord and living like it. Living with clean hands and pure hearts before the Lord. Having the orientation of your life following Jesus. Salvation. It means prayer. Spending time. Talking to the Lord. Letting it all out if you need to. Wearing your heart on your sleeve before the Lord. There is a place where you can laugh and cry and be angry. That's with the Lord. He can take it. Rather take it to Him. In fact, take it to Him. Don't not take it to Him. Then take it to people who will just, oh, shame. Take it to the Lord. He can take it. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're thinking. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been the victim of, no matter what you've perpetrated, he can take it. Prayer is important, and we need to be a people of prayer. The Bible is important. We need to be reading our Bibles. Why? Because it's the word of the Lord to us, and the Holy Spirit uses that to adjust the things in our lives. We need to be walking in community, which means coming to church, but also sharing our lives with one another. Allowing others to help us be all that God has called us to be. Helping to point out our blind spots, sharpen us, and we can sharpen them. Helping, I think think often we feel like, like, things are often always in the negative like community so people can point out our blind spots cool but actually i think it's more like often like ointment where there's something that's bothering us something that's not quite right and in community it, things get drawn out the bad gets drawn out and so then that's good for us it's good for us and so you can be, we get to be a part of that we get to walk along side one another, and help one another be all that God has for us and for them. We have to walk in our gifting, which is just a, a fantastic space to be. So salvation, prayer, Bible, community, and making disciples. That's what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples, to walk alongside others, to teach what we know, what the Lord has taught us, And to find those who don't know Jesus. The minimum is never enough. We can come and sit and enjoy and feed. And it's beautiful. We love it. But there's so much more. There's so much more. And the Lord is calling us to more. So where are you at with your relationship with Jesus. Romans 12 talks about having a sober evaluation of yourself. When we take communion, one of the things that is often said is that we need to examine ourselves. In Psalm 139, David says to the Lord, examine me. Verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything offensive in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Is there anything offensive in you? Not just offensive, offensive to the Lord, to the Holy One, to the Groom. The end of the year is a good time for reflection. And this is a good time for for reflection. Are you ready to meet Jesus? The minimum is, is never enough. The Lord is always asking to have more lordship in your life. Can we pray? Can we stand and pray? So, Lord, right now we just come to you with hearts open. asking for you to examine us, to search our hearts, Lord. We're wanting to trim our wicks now in this space to get things in order again. We want to be ready for you. I'm just gonna take a moment and allow the Lord to speak to us. And please, if there's anything that you need to write down, anything that, you, that he highlights, there's a reason that he is highlighting it, and it is so that things can move forward. Lord, we thank you that you care. We thank you that you're not just trying to point as a principle from the clouds, Saying we need to be better. Lord, you are wanting to work from within us to help us be who you've called us to be so that we might enjoy the joy and the feasting at the final banquet, Lord. One of the names of Jesus that is often spoken about at this time is Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel. And that means God with us. The truth is that God is with us in our trials. He's with us in our trouble. He's with us in our homes, in our workplace. He's with us in our friendships, in our relationships, in our marriages. He's with us in our sadness. He's with us in our celebration. So God, right now, we just thank you that you are with us, Lord. We thank you that you humbled yourself to come down to earth to be born as a human so that we could to live, to die, to be resurrected, to ascend to the right hand of the Father so that we could come to know you and that we can be part of your victorious crowd of witnesses. I thank you that you are with us, Lord. Inviting us into a life of following you. Help us to continue to make you Lord in everything. We thank you that we look forward to your coming. We don't have to be fearful. In fact, perfect love casts out all fear, especially as we see the day coming. Thank you that there is a joyous banquet awaiting us. Lord, help us live prepared. Help us live ready and help us show others that they can too. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.